Hi, welcome to another episode of Ask a Jew, where a secular, sinful Israeli speaks to her religious, holy friend post-Passover. We're the Siegfried and Roy of Judaism. Were, were, were either of them Jewish, actually? Are they both German? Were they Nazis? Are they I still feel like alive? They were very German. Are they? they were I don't very think German. they're alive. One Are of them was e- got eaten by a tiger. Yeah, one. I know. So sad. I mean, but they not- were like so into their tigers, and then I think yeah. the tiger like ruined their life. Yeah, yeah. It's were um, they a couple? Yeah, but we're not. I think so. We should, we should let people know we that we know. are not a couple. We well, you know, if we you play your cards right. If you, well, Zigfried we are, and Roy we are were also friends, friends quote unquote. <laughs> they were weird. I'm sorry, German. Yeah, but if we can make like Zigfried and Roy, if we can get like a show in Vegas, I would be a couple with you. If that's like the price we need to pay for a show in Vegas, mm, we could be not, uh, the next we'll, we'll Thunder Down Under. Uh, last time I was in a Vegas, they were advertising <laughs> Thunder Down Under. <laughs> it's Australian Chippendales. I think we've talked about my uh, my oh. one one time visit. <laughs> to this is one of my favorite stories ever. How did I forget about this? Uh, wait, uh, can you tell with, what, with and the, why I, with Ian Ziering from but, Beverly yeah. Hills nine hundred two one zero? Yeah, but you we had to go you, see him. You had to go the way you told the story is like you felt like you needed to support him. <laughs> I did. I I was very concerned that this is what he ended up doing professionally. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that I was interested in seeing the men on stage. I just wanted to show support for Steve for fellow Jew. from 90210. Yeah, yeah. fellow Jew with a Jew yeah. fro. Honestly, um, if I looked, if, if, I could, if I could be in a, a stripper show at his age of like 65, <laughs> I think it's worth it. Because he was it like, was, he was like four on that show already. Right? Yeah, it was a really interesting show. I mean, we paid for <laughs> VIP tickets. So of we had like you did. <laughs> which meant that we had like a section to sit at and like the waitresses kept coming over and serving us drinks. Thank God. Because if you don't drink, it's really hard to get through that show. It was so interesting. Please tell was, me you were all wearing like your long dresses and well, I was wearing yeah, I was wearing my wig and my regular clothes. <laughs> You were like reading to him the whole time. (laughs) It was fun. It was fun. What can I say? Well, I I is it is it sexist that like I is it sexist that I feel like I could talk about doing that? But like, if my husband talked about going to a strip club, it would be like so different. No, I think it's you think there's a double standard. Female empowerment. You're allowed to objectify men because patriarchy. Yeah, I sometimes get comments from people who listen to our podcast telling me that I talk about men too much and I have too many crushes and I like too many people. And do you tell them that they're being misogynists? (laughs) I say, well, this is me and I'm sorry and my husband knows and there's nothing I can do. Well, your husband should be, that should make him feel extra special. Right, exactly. You chose him. Exactly. After Um, seven days. And everyone knows it's fun and games. It was six dates, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> one for good luck <laughs> we just found over Passover we found a bunch of pictures in my parents house that I I don't think I've ever seen or I haven't seen in 20 almost 22 years mm-hmm. of pictures of us engaged and it's just like I, I cannot believe 
how young I was and what a baby I was and how young you my husband share was. Them, uh, you should share it's, those pictures for our fans. Maybe I'll share. It was so crazy to look at them. And the crazy part is that my son is turning 21 next month. And I got married at 20. So wow. he's now older than I, I was when I got married. for you to be a grandmother. It's so weird. It's just, <laughs> It's such a weird feeling. And I don't know. It's just strange. Anyway, how are you? What's going on in your life? I'm good. I'm good. Um, in New York City, my parents were here for Passover, which was um, very lovely. I'm super happy to have them here and was also happy when they left <laughs> because they <laughs> stayed with me. But we had a lovely time. We um, had a Passover uh, Seder for some uh, some of our friends uh, slash listeners. Um, and cause I really don't see the difference between all friends or, or listeners and all listeners are <laughs> friends. Uh, True. you would have died at this Passover Seder. It was like very not traditional. It included like listening to Leonard Cohen songs on YouTube <laughs> and talking about Ethiopian Jews and whatnot. That's nice. Um, I'm pretty sure some of the food wasn't even kosher for Passover, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, it was, um, a lot of mostly non-Jews actually. Wow. Um, and I did I you eat matzah? Had a good time. Of course, we ate matzah. Okay, so we ate matzah. Right uh, we had gefilte fish from Whole Foods, which my mother was very, very disappointed in. Um, Who buys gefilte fish from Whole Foods? I, I, I that sentence is is like nails on a chalkboard to me. Seriously, you know what? I should have bought. Um, I did the most Jewish thing ever because I ordered. I ordered a bunch of stuff from Whole Foods. I ordered uh, tzimis, uh chawaset. And gefilte fish, yeah. And because I'm not going to make gefilte fish. But then when I got there to pick it up, uh, they're like, well, we we ran out of the chaloset. So we'll refund you for that. And I was like, my Jewish brain is like, okay, but what else can I get out of this moment? Because it's very tragic. Like, this is an important dish. Oh, my God. Um, So they're like, we'll refund you for this. And also, if you want to pick something out of the hot bar, too. So we just basically just got more food. One second. Um, I, I need to ask you a question. Yes. Do you? So did you not have haroset at your? Seder? No, I, have, I ended up making some, and it was actually oh, wow. pretty good. Yeah, I mean, pretty, all it's it really is easy you to chop make. Chop an apple and add nuts and wine. I, 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 I did it for for those of you who don't know. It's what you eat in Passover. It's like a sweet dip. Um. So it's like apples. I, I basically chopped up apples, walnuts, and honey. Um. We put one and it in was it, fine. But my mother insisted on making matzo ball soup. Insisted, even though I okay. told her we shouldn't serve soup because it's a pain in the ass. Um, and it was uh, it was actually quite delicious. Okay. Uh, and we had a good. Do you time. know why? But do you know why we eat haroset though? It's supposed to resemble something. Yes, I know. I learned at the do you Seder. Know? <laughs> it's the it's the thing from the bricks. The the it's supposed to like the, look like mortar. Like from the, the, the bricks, mud from the bricks back yeah, when exactly. back when Jews that was the last time Jews did physical labor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Since then, they decided that they're they're not built for it. Um, was it gefilte fish? Like, was it from a jar or was it like? No, I think kind? I would have been better off buying it from a jar. I love gefilte fish uh, in a jar. Which is, yeah, oh but this God. one was just like clearly Jose from Whole Foods had never made gefilte <laughs> fish before. <laughs> Um, so I feel just, like a filter fish is like a line in the sand where like non-Jews just can't, they just can't cross that line. And it's yeah. so gross to them. It, and whenever I have it, also. yeah, whenever I have it, I tell people like, even at the Seder, we were like, you don't have to eat this. It's not, 
I don't even know it's why so I funny. like it. I don't like things that are kind of super fishy, but for some reason I love it's it. It's not like super fishy. built into my DNA. Yeah. But I like that. I like chopped liver, even though I don't like liver. Mm. Yeah. Chopped um, liver is good. With again, it's, you know, it's my, my, what about Timis? Do you like Timis? I like Timis. Depends how it may, how it's made. If it's not too sweet. I yeah, like it. Timis, Timis is, is like, like carrots or sweet potatoes and onion. And it's so good. My mother. Yeah. Makes but like everybody likes matzo really ball well. soup, right? Yeah, we don't, Although, like I told you before, we don't eat matzo balls on Pesach, but yes, the soup, the chicken soup yeah, is really well, good. Yeah, you, you guys are weird. And we have questions about Passover food, but uh, well, I'll get to them in a second. But actually, okay. I was trying really hard to eat kosher for Passover because I actually always have growing up in Israel. When, when I was growing up, everybody kept kosher for Passover because it was hard not to. Right. Uh, but nowadays, it's like, you know, Israel is like, Parts of Israel are becoming very secular, so you don't like, you know, people you sell bread and everything. Right. I know, I know. Don't worry, you're 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 on your way. You're on your way to, to turning it into a, a religious state. <laughs> but um, but I was so I grew up like that, and I was like, okay, I always try every year. And the first day of Passover, we went to a steakhouse in Williamsburg. Um, not kosher, obviously but delicious. But I was trying so hard and they gave us these rolls at the beginning of dinner and I was at lunch and I was like, I am not eating any of the rolls. And I was like really proud of myself. And then for dessert, we had like an apple pie and I ate around, I ate like the filling, but wow, not the you. thing, but not Incredible. the, yeah. And then the next day um, we went to lunch and I got a burger. And after I finished the With burger, the I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, it's not like, I wasn't like, giving myself a break. I just forgot. I kept forgetting. It's just so interesting forgot to me. Forgot the story of, us, of our people. But like, it's isn't it fascinating how both of us are so like Jewish to our core? I mean, it's such a huge part of both of our identities. And like, we're the, I mean, this is like who we are, right? Like inside our kishkas, as we say, right? And yet, <laughs> I don't know what we have is. such kishkas are like our yeah, insides, <laughs> you know, our innards. Like, we have such different experiences when it comes yeah. to like following these kinds of things because literally for eight days, my life was completely turned over, upended. Every single thing I ate was like a thousand percent, you know, kosher for Passover. We peeled our tomatoes. I mean, literally we have a special peeler. Like it's I, called a soft peeler so that this. you could peel tomatoes. I mean, I'm just saying like, <sighs> it's just funny. This is maybe the most like basic question I could ask you. And excuse me for not being too spiritual about this. But don't you think sometimes it's a little much? Don't you think sometimes just not eating anything with flour or bread would be like good enough to commemorate? I mean, here's the thing. Like our community is about tradition and about Jewish law and about perpetuating those things. And in order for them to be perpetuated and to continue on, like you have to make a very strong statement around like your practices, I think. It's not enough to and just you say, make okay, that strong we're not statement by peeling we, tomatoes. Yes, we we take it. So our kids know that eight days of Passover are so serious. It's such a big part of our lives, our identity, who we are. And I, I guess you, listen, do I complain and bitch and moan the whole time? Yes. Okay. I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and pretend that like, oh, it's great. And I love it. And it's super fun and whatever. It's, it's hard. But if you come into our home the week of Passover, like 
you, from the second you walk in the front door, you know that something is different right? Everything is covered in tinfoil. We have all new pots and pans out. My kids are, you know, cutting up banana and cottage cheese, which they would never touch during the year because they hate that stuff, but there's nothing else to eat. There's no cereal and milk, right? You can get the same effect by not eating bread. No, you can't. I'm not saying doing what I do, which is like very much like I just pay lip service. But listen, I think there's something to being fully immersed in something and making it have a mark on you in a way that just being casual about it will never have the same effect. Does that make sense? Like we're so immersed in it. I mean, this is what my grandparents, like I'm keeping Passover the same way my grandparents did. And to me, that's like a very powerful feeling, right? And I hope that my grandchildren will keep it the way I do. I'm not saying they will, but I just think there's something beautiful about the continuation of like, and the continuity, I should say, of like Let me ask you tradition a in that way. If you make a mistake, like on the fifth day, you accidentally eat like a breadcrumb, do you have to start from the beginning? <laughs> you're, you're dead. They hang you in the town square. You're no, dead. do you just like, re- does the clock reset? No. And you have to keep Absolutely going? Absolutely not. But you know, there's something <laughs> called Pesach Shani. Do you know about Pesach Shani, which no. is second Passover? So the Jews who weren't able, they kept Passover starting from the first year in the desert. You know that, right? Like no. commemorating the Exodus from Egypt is such a deeply important part of who we are as a nation, that even the first year in the desert, they were already commemorating the Exodus. So the Jews who weren't able to participate in the sacrifice of, you know, because that's what they used to do for Passover, the Paschal sacrifice, um, they complained and they were upset that they couldn't participate. (laughs) So they got a second chance. God gave them a second chance. It's in like a few weeks. For those so they complained like to the manager, basically. Exactly. They, the and Karens they got, went to the manager and were okay. like, "We want, <laughs> we want to be a part of this." And um, because they were impure, they couldn't bring sacrifices. So it took a few. You know, it takes a few weeks to become pure. So in a in a few weeks, there's a day called Passover Shani, Pesach Shani, second Passover, and it's the second chance. And I think it's like a really beautiful idea that like you just don't always you can't so do, do you have time, to do you that a too chance so we don't but we do eat it's a custom for us we do eat matzah on that day like we okay. save a little bit of matzah from passover i had matzah bride today this morning but i want to tell you something uh, really interesting i want to tell you really interesting in in april of 2020 okay mm-hmm. there were people who were in the hospital and sick with covid over passover right and so they weren't at their family seders and they didn't get to celebrate with their family. And I remember that year. Nobody had a seder on in April Pesach Shani. Yeah, people uh-huh. did. I mean, whatever. Well, Even if you're a media fan. Yeah, all the Orthodox people did. <laughs> yeah. So so I remember that year on, on Pesach Shani, on the second Passover, there were people who had a seder that day because they had missed. They were either in a coma or they were not uh-huh. able to be at a seder because they were on life support in the hospital, whatever. And I remember just sitting there and like crying because I just, it was like the first time in my life that I've seen, you know, someone have to do that because they just weren't able to have a Seder the right night. And it was just a very powerful moment for me. Like we just don't, listen, we're Jews. We don't just push things aside because they're hard or it's annoying or it's, that's not who we are. My thought, I have to just finish with this story. Well, I'm okay. Exactly. Which Jews are going to be around in a hundred years? The ones who peel tomatoes. I'm sorry to tell you. Okay, <laughs> I don't um, know. My people. I have hate been doing to make right. controversial comments like that, but um, <laughs> I want to tell you something. My father was telling us a story on Pesach. I just literally stopped and was 
I was like so overcome. He was talking about a book that a rabbi in the ghetto, in one of the ghettos in in Poland during the war, compiled Mm -hmm. a set of letters that people were, uh, the questions that people in the ghetto were asking him as a rabbi, right? They would come to him and ask him questions. Okay, and he wrote them down and he wrote out the answers. That's it's called, you know, Shiloh and Shova. Like people ask the rabbi the rabbi's questions, the rabbi's answer based on mm-hmm. their knowledge and all the books that they have. Like a Q and so in the ghetto, right, in the ghetto, those things were happening, right? And so he my father gave two examples of let of questions that the Jews were asking while living in a oh my German God, make Nazi me- ghetto. Okay. Okay. For example. There's a blessing that we say every single morning during our morning blessings that we say, thank you, God, for not making me a slave. So somebody asked the rabbi, do I continue to say that? Because I am a slave right now, right? Like I'm being forced. I mean, do I still say that or am I a slave? I mean, what was the another question? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The okay. point is the question was the point. Like, I, I'm sure he said that yeah, you should still say it because it's a different kind of slavery. But I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't, the, the, it, it, to me, the answer wasn't what was important. It was like the fact that the Jews were still asking these kinds of questions, right? Listen to this question. Okay. okay. The Nazis would give out when they would come and like, um, do rounds ups, you know, they would take families and and look and take them to the concentration camps, right? And everybody knew they would die. So some people would be exempt. They would get like a white paper that would like exempt their family, like a white card. So someone asked a question, am I allowed to steal a white card in order to save my family, knowing that that means that there's another family not getting that white oh, card? Geez. But do you understand what what it means that people living in the worst conditions humanly possible are asking moral questions about life and justice and right versus wrong. That is who we are. So yes, it's annoying. And yeah, it's, it's, it sounds ridiculous that in 2023, we're covering our counters with tinfoil. But like, <laughs> I'm so proud to be part of the people asking those questions. Does that, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm not sure how so it has what it has to do with tomatoes. It um, does because we have to keep that culture. We have to keep the way we th- this is who we are. I don't want to give that up. I don't want to just be like make it easier for ourselves. That's yeah. all. I mean, I sometimes do, but I sometimes well, my father make it told um my father also told a really nice story during Passover that will will make you cry too, hopefully. Um <laughs> but he told um a story that he had read in the paper about um the um, immigration from Ethiopia, which for those of you who don't know, in the 80s and the 90s, Israel basically airlifted the entire Jewish community of Ethiopia uh, to Israel uh, in a really crazy Mossad operation. Look it up, uh, Operation Moses and Operation Solomon. There's been a lot of movies and and books written about it, but it's truly incredible. There was these Jews who were in Ethiopia and they were there from the time of King David basically. Um, and they basically were carrying the traditions all by themselves. They thought they were the only Jews in the world. Right. They had no idea about, you know, they, they had no idea that Jerusalem was a real place. Um, they had no idea that there were white Jews. They were just carrying these traditions in rural Ethiopia and, um, the, um, Basically, Israel found them and started this whole crazy Mossad operation to airlift them to Israel. This 
group of people who hadn't seen, you know, an airplane before. Some of them even hadn't, you know, had, had, didn't have running water, obviously no electricity, uh, and came to Israel. And uh, it's just really, really interesting, fascinating story. And they're a growing community in Israel. Now there are people. And again, this is like the 90s. Like my friends, right. I have friends who were alive in Ethiopia who came to Israel when they were like five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really, really beautiful story. But my father said that he read in the paper the story of, you know, they were airlifting them. They, they were getting them on the plane in kind of the dead of night. The Mossad had pretended to be a hotel. Uh, they, they were building hotels and they, they they took these huge 747s and took out all the seats and just like just stuffed as many people as they could in there. And they told uh, the people they couldn't bring anything with them or they only could bring certain items. And this one guy, this older um, guy who was kind of like the, the rabbi that had a different name for it, um, had a, a, a plastic bag. And they told him, like, you can't bring this on the plane. He's like, well, if I'm not bringing this on the plane, I'm not going. Um, and they called the um, the head of the, the operation, who is the person who wrote the story. And he said, let me see what you have in there. And he takes out this... Hagada that was all like crumpled and had like no cover or anything. Mm. And he's like, this is from my grandfather and it was from my grandfather's grandfather. It's been in my family in generations. And we've been told that we, we can never let anything happen to this. So if I'm not, if this isn't coming with me, I'm not getting on the plane. Wow. Uh, and they're like, you know, fine, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> but um, it's and interesting the how they Museum kept, owns it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting how they kept all these traditions. And what I always thought Incredible. was funny about the Ethiopians is they didn't celebrate any of the modern holidays, modern quote unquote, like, like a Hanukkah like Purim, yeah. <laughs> and Purim because they just didn't know about them because they happened, you know, after they had, uh, they had left the, the Holy land. It's so. incredible. I remember in the nineties they brought, uh, I lived in, you know, I grew up in Long Beach and uh, they would bring two or three Ethiopian Israeli soldiers to our high school every year. Mm-hmm. And we were like an all girls, you know, religious high school. And yeah. they were always like the best looking guys and we would go <laughs> nuts over them. My friend tells a lot of funny stories about how um, her aunt, like, um, they like they walked into an elevator once and her aunt thought it was an apartment and she was like, this is very small. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great kosher Ethiopian restaurant in Tel Aviv really? called Balanjara. Yeah, it's oh, really okay. good. Yeah, yeah. Ethiopian food there. is good. Mm, um, it's okay. Man, are we, do, we, do you have anything less depressing um, to talk about than the yeah, Holocaust let's talk about your and boobs. Passover? Oh, okay. Let's talk about my boobs. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I have never prayed over boobs so much like I did over yeah, yours. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, well, thank you. I mean, you. are you your okay prayers? talking about it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as I as quickly bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, spoiler alert, listeners, my boobs are fine. Um, but get a mammogram, ladies. Yeah. Uh, if you're over 40 or feel like you need one or anything feels out of place. Um, I had a, I had a, a little scare. Um, I was, um, something came up uh, in my first mammogram, kind of a fluke. Uh, that should not be there. And uh, after a lot of tests uh, and stuff, determined that it wasn't the big C word. Um, it still needs to go. So I'm still probably going to have surgery and I'm going to need you all to support me. And you can support me by liking and subscribing <laughs> and sending us money and signing you know, up for writing, our comments <laughs> writing comments on our Writing comments, engagement, 
basically talking about <laughs> us, spreading the word. I think that's the only cure for what I have. Um, but it was it was a crazy few uh, weeks of like waiting to hear and basically being told yeah. by my doctor that it's you know it's probably a, a type of breast cancer, and then uh, finding out that it isn't. Um, not that I blame the doctor. I mean, that's you know they wanted to to be realistic, and I feel uh, very lucky. Uh, and honestly, like, I feel I'm kind of over it now. So like all the spiritual, like gratitude that I had is, has gone. I've already forgotten it, but (laughs) for a few weeks there, I felt very loved and special. And my friends, um, you know, my, my friends were incredible from near and far, Mm. um, uh, were by my side. Um, a good friend of mine who, um, is my, 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 my gay best friend, um, who I was, I don't know, we, the last few months we hadn't really been very close and we've, I, I was a little mad at him and perhaps he was a little bit mad at me. And the minute I told him, uh, he was like, I'm taking you to a biopsy, T- took the day off from work and just like, I felt That's so nice. very loved everybody by my side. And of course my, um, uh, my sister in Israel, my parents, I didn't tell them because you know, why, yeah. why bother? Um, I mean, I didn't want them to get upset. I've obviously told them, uh, later. Uh, so yeah, I felt like, uh, felt like a special girl. Um, and Kylie, um, had a lot of good, good, uh, insight about that being the spiritual woman that she is. The first thing she said (laughs) when I told her is what's the first, do you remember what the first thing you said is? Um, I don't, I don't remember. What did I say? You you said, you're not going to run any five K's for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. I said, I'll do anything for you. I'll fly to New York for the surgery. I'm going to do anything. I'll sit by you if you have to do chemo, but I'm not walking or running in any five or 10 days. <laughs> That's where I, I draw asked her, the what line. if it's the only cure? And she said, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I'll we find had a another whole talk. co-host. <laughs> we, ha- we had a whole talk about how this would be good for our podcast. <laughs> oh my God. Because, you know, like, so you cynical. would feel bad. Like people would feel bad if I'd be like, I have cancer. Please retweet, you know, <laughs> like you would feel bad. God so forbid. I think, you know, and then, Do you know um, that in the, in some circles in the Orthodox world, including mine, people don't say the word cancer, by the way. Really? What do they yeah. say? They call it like the disease. The There's disease. Like a, yeah. yeah. I think, I don't know if that's an Orthodox, that might in be Yiddish. like just a Jewish thing. Yeah. I think it, I think in, I, I think I've heard that before somewhere. People like um, literally don't say that. And the, the doctors word. too, they don't, they say like malignant and lot like, I'm bitch, I'm not yeah. a doctor. Like, I don't know what, mali- <laughs> like, you know, um, but. Uh, did you have a translator there with you for your, he, from Hebrew to English or English to Hebrew? From, or? from, from doctor to English. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I was telling, and, and my apologies if there are any radiologists in the audience, um, but I was talking to my, my, uh, my OBGYN and I was kind of complaining to her about the radiologist. Cause I told her like, I don't understand what she's saying. You know, it's like, she wasn't really forthcoming. And my OB is like, well, she's a radiologist. She doesn't know. She doesn't know how to talk uh, to people. We have a friend who's a radiologist. We do. Who? Yeah. Our friend Derek. Oh, but Derek knows how to, t- I thought Derek is an internist. I'm pretty sure he's a radiologist, oh, but well, now I'm that you're s- saying that, I know. I think I'm going to send him. Uh, I'll send him pictures of my boobs anyway. Yeah, send it to um, him. Everybody, people exactly. were very funny, which I appreciate. Uh, what people were saying, you know, some of our male friends were were offering, <laughs> you know, if if they if <laughs> I want to 
send them a picture. They, they're happy to give another opinion. Uh, what else? Uh, what else happened? That was funny. Did you feel um, vulnerable? I felt very vulnerable. I felt like I thought about death for the first time. I know this sounds like melodramatic. That's the other thing about being melodramatic because I was talking to uh, my dear friend Chris and I was telling him I feel bad now because I told like 50 people and now I have to go back <laughs> to them and be like, uh, it turns out I don't have cancer. <laughs> and he's like, wow, you feel guilty about telling people you don't have cancer. That's like a next level. Everybody like, was I feel like I was that. disappointing people. I was letting them down because... Yeah. No, we're all happy um, for you. But, um, yeah, I don't have time vulnerable. for you to have cancer, honestly. No, it's seriously, just, I, I don't have time for this shit either. I got stuff oh, no. to do. Um, also, I don't like, I, I'm sorry, but I like, I like my boobs. My, my boobs are pretty, pretty good feature, and I don't want to mess with them. Like, mm. I don't need a new pair. Some people are like, oh, at least you get a new pair. I'm like, yeah, but I'm okay with this, this pair. Um, <laughs> So I, well, yeah, I think I thought about death a lot, which is weird because like death is something that happens to other people, right? It doesn't, you know, I don't know. I think about death all the time. So, well, it's because you think about the Holocaust a lot. No, it's, it's that, but it's a lot. I just think about death a lot. Yeah. I, mean, just, I think I you like reach a certain age where you, you, you realize that mortality is like a thing. Yeah. I mean, I just guess I, I've just been around it too much, maybe, and yeah. um, see like but, people suffering and just, you know, my best, best friend lost her mm, son. And like, it's just, right. I just see like a lot of horrible grief. And it's just, I don't know. I think about yeah. it a lot. I don't know how to take this experience and use it to be grateful for every day instead yeah. of using it right now, which is what I'm doing right now to, like to be to terrified work. of oh. everything. Cause right. now I'm just like scared. Now I'm just like everything that happens, every like headache I get, you know, I'm like yeah. convinced there and I'm not a hypochondriac, but you know, I, 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 I think, am now. I think that's one of the like really big benefits of like having faith and people who like really, really believe in like, God and that there's a plan. One of the benefits of that is like, you're just not in control. And so you go about your life, you do the best you can. And you just, you know, kind of surrender to God's plan. And I think that there's something actually really peaceful and helpful in that. I've struggled with that. I, I'm a very controlling person. And I want to believe that I control every single thing that happens to me and to the people around me and to my kids and my parents, and my siblings, you know what I mean? My husband. But I just, people who have real faith, and that's something that I'm like envious of others. Like if you have real faith and you believe that every single thing happens for a reason and God is in control and, you know, it's, it's, there's something really peaceful about that. So yeah, I don't know. we need yeah. to like bring that into our lives a little more. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. You you'd like to think that even like romanticize death a little bit and, and say like, oh, you know, people pass away, uh, and a lot of times they'll talk about like the people that they you know when they're very ill they'll talk about how they led a wonderful life and right. how they love the people around them and how we should all be grateful and um you know you you don't hear a lot from the people who are just like kicking and screaming on their way out. Who right. are like angry to go. Yeah, angry yeah. to go or just, I had... Um, yeah, feel cheated. I, I went on yeah. a date with this um, oncologist once. It was really weird. Um, <laughs> he was kind of hot. 
and he told me that part of his, um, cause obviously we talk about his job and if it's hard and, and he said like one of the harder things, but, but most, he also said it was like one of the most fulfilling things for him is when he has to have the talk with the patients about the fact that they need to stop fighting. Right. You know, that like, it's, it's uh, over. like, we're, you know, I recommend yeah. moving you to hospice and stopping the treatments. And a lot of people right. are, you know, again, you hear about all the people who are fighters, right? And you hear about them and then you hear the happy ending. But anyway, yeah. let's go back to talking about the Holocaust. It's <laughs> 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 so less depressing. Oh my God. It's so, it's, listen, life is complicated and it's hard and also full of joy and there's it's so filled with contradictions and you have speaking to hold multiple things at once you know speaking of joy a little a little uh there's a rumor on the streets of crown heights that you're coming to new york soon and perhaps would want to do a meetup with some of our listeners and thank you for everybody who came out to the zoom by the way that was really really fun we were terrified yeah. that nobody's yeah, gonna be fun. there but there yeah, were three we are gonna do a meetup uh no maybe a little less um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of, I mean, you know, you know me, we have, like, I just don't have the confidence. So I feel like we're going to put it out there to do a meet mm -hmm. and greet in New York. And it's going to yep. be me and you and my 4,000 cousins and no one yes. else. And that just Fair enough. Me. Fair enough. Um, should I even invite my cousins? I don't even know. Well, you should, because we need people there. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, I yeah, Chayla's uh, whole attitude towards this podcast is that nobody <laughs> should be listening to it. <laughs> and, and I have the opposite. I'm like, this is the greatest thing that happened to the Jewish people since, you know, Moses. Since Exodus. Um, since Jesus. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's I good. think we're we, a balance. We're, we are. We are a balance. Um, I think even if it's just us and some of our, our New York friends who... Yeah. Um, I think friends slash listeners who I'm sure will be there. Um, but we, I want to meet like new, new people too. I want to meet people I haven't met before. As right. long as you're not and, weird. And people uh, shouldn't I mean, feel you can be awkward. weird. Just, yeah. No, people shouldn't feel awkward to like fly Don't feel in. awkward. Do you know how <laughs> fucking awkward we are? Like if I'm going to like yeah. drink before I get there, that's how <laughs> awkward I am. And Hialeah totally. is like four feet too. <laughs> like you're going to see her and you're just going to put her in your pocket. Oh my God. I'm um, short. By the way, I eh. just have to say, I cannot wait. I know this is totally off topic. Wait, should you tell people when this is happening so they can oh, like mark their no, calendars more or less? <laughs> tell them at the very last day. Somewhere between um, May 7th, 7th and 9th. and 10th. Yeah. 7th and 10th. Yeah. So just block Somewhere out that May whole. May 7th or 10th. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in that week. Probably Monday night of that week. I don't know oh, what yeah, date yeah. that is. May 8th, I think. Um. Okay. May 8th. Really? By the way, I'm making notes for our show notes, and this is what they look like right now. <laughs> Second Passover, Holocaust Passover, <laughs> boobs, death, May 7th to 10th. Wow, this is great. This is the worst, like, <laughs> spoken word ever. Well, okay. did we have some questions from listeners. Yeah, but wait, you were, you're about to tell oh, a story about how say? awkward you are. Um, I'm so awkward. I'm so short. Oh, <laughs> One of the things, okay, because I was in the kitchen like a lot over the last two weeks because of Passover, and I just cannot wait to build a kitchen that is made for my size. Like, I can't wait. Like, everything short, I'm not having anything mm. that I can't reach. Like, I'm only going to have drawers and low cabinets 
and like a pantry made for people my size. That's it. That's we what should I get want. you one of those like things that they have at the bodega, like one of those sticks that they they use to like <laughs> lift I do up need things. That. I know. Yeah. One of the nice things is that my kids are all home, which has been fantastic. Aww. I know. I'm so happy. All four boys are home with us for Passover. And thankfully, they are taller than me. And so mm. I have people to constantly reach things and they feel good about it because they're pretty short compared to their friends. But here, they're very tall. They're giants. To me. So yeah. So, you know, my five, seven son feels like a giant in this house. And so also, it's really men like nice. to help with things like that. They like to... Yeah. When I call them over, I'm like, can you reach that? Can you reach that? Yeah, open this jar. Yeah. I I usually open the jars. Yeah. My my brother was here. I was sitting at the table, at the kitchen table, and I was on my phone. And I was doing something, probably texting you or whatever. And my son asked me where the tinfoil was. And I said, I, I didn't stop texting for a second. My thumbs were just constantly going. And I was like, right next to the blender on the counter. And my brother goes, you are such a mom. Like, how did you do that just now? He's like, I would have to stop what I'm doing, walk over, look around the kitchen. How were you able to be texting and know exactly where the tinfoil yeah. was? Yeah, I'm like, that's, I don't, that's, we're just superheroes. You know what I've discovered over the last week with my parents here? I'm a, I'm a dad. Like, I feel like with age, like a lot of women yeah. become like moms in their personality. I've, I've become a dad. Like, I like so flirt funny. with waiters. And I tell like dad joke. I'm like, oh my God. I, yeah. That's funny. I've become a Last dad. Last night. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm saying so many personal things right now, but. Um, we just talked about my boobs for 10 minutes. I know that's true. Four out of five of my siblings were sick. I'm the oldest of six. So five mm-hmm. of us were here for the weekend, Aww. which is very unusual for us. So the five siblings went out last night without our spouses. Oh my God. And kids. It was just the five of us. And we had such a good time. It was like Saturday night in LA. We went out to this kosher restaurant. It was really fun. And this girl who we kind of know, we know her husband from like growing up, comes over to us. And they were out with their whole family, but it was like spouses and the parents and whatever. And she's like, it's so interesting that you guys went out without your spouses. And we're Goldie and my sister and I are like, why is that interesting? She's like, well, we just wouldn't ever do that. We're so close that it would be weird for the siblings to go out by themselves, isn't it? Don't your spouses mind? And we were like, shut up, bitch. Like, no, no one minds. Okay, we're all fine and happy. Like, we're happy to hang out together and our spouses are fine and they're nice and they're healthy and they, they're they thrilled that we get to spend this time together. I mean, go away. She yeah. was so disgustingly judgmental about her stupid family. I mean, hopefully well, she must to podcast, hate but. her siblings, eh? <laughs> I know. Um, or they, She's or, like, or my- you should have been like, we actually saw your siblings all hanging out last week without you. <laughs> She's and like, my mother-in-law doesn't even call me her daughter-in-law. She calls me her daughter. I'm like, oh, puke. Like, yeah. shut up. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's it healthy. So I remember fun. in college and in college for me was in my, my twenties in Israel. Um, but when people started getting into serious relationships and, you know, we would, we would hang out like college friends and people would just start bringing their, their significant others to, I'm not talking about like a birthday party or something, just like a hang. And I always thought it was a little, like, I would never bring a guy, even like a guy I was dating seriously somewhere where he doesn't want, you know what I mean? Like where I don't think he'd have fun. 
but it right. started being like right. that thing of like, you have to do everything together. Yeah, it's funny because in, in the Hasidic world, in the more, you know, orthodox parts of the world, like it's totally normal to socialize just with girlfriends or the guys. Like we mm-hmm. don't, most people don't socialize men and women together. I think so you have to. How can you have a healthy relationship without venting yeah, to your girl friends? Yeah, time is really fun. Yeah. And I, yeah. I just think with the sibling time, like it was so nice to just be in the car together and laugh and sing our dumb old songs and, you know, talk about our parents and, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just a, it's a kind of comfort that you just don't have with anyone else, even, you know, with, and, and I love my sister's-in-law. I love my, my sister's husband and my husband. I mean, we mm-hmm. have a great time together and we spend tons of time together. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think there's something no, really it's nice, nice about it. It also makes you time. feel like kids again, you know, when it yeah, was just, it really the, did. just the kids. Yeah. Um, I remember yeah. once I told my father, I forget what context, but I said like that my sister and I bonded over making fun of them. And yeah. he was like, you know what? I'm fine with that as long as you're bonding. And I was like, okay. It's um, true. I mean, yeah. there's as a parent, like there's nothing better than when your kids get along, even if it's like against you, you know? You see it even in the Torah. Like God literally punishes the generation of people who are fighting between themselves. Oh. But then the people who are fighting against him, he doesn't destroy them. Hmm. Because like as long as the kids are getting along, you're okay. It's, it's like, like God punished your friend with um, friend? siblings who oh, don't who she doesn't want to hang out with. Oh, this idiot. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Bad. Although siblings are a weird thing. Like sometimes people get along really well and sometimes you're like, How yeah. do we come from the same right. family? I remember uh reading once, like you know, I love Thomas Sowell. Um, and one time, of course, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of, um, how can we expect equality for everyone if two siblings aren't even equal? Yeah. You know, you have like, you can have people from the same family who are just completely like worlds apart. Right. I've seen that a lot. Yeah. Siblings who don't get along or don't have anything in common or sometimes like even an age gap can be, you know, something that's insurmountable. But we were very lucky. I mean, I I feel extremely lucky in this department. Mm -hmm. Um, I have four brothers. I have a sister. We're all born within 10 years of each other. I'm the oldest. And then my brother's exactly 10 years younger. Um, You probably met, well, you met my sister. Yeah. And you met three of my brothers at the wedding. I like them more than I like you. We know. So just my brother in New York, in Israel. You don't know my brother in Israel. Yeah. Next time. Um, but um, I feel very, very fortunate about that. And um, I love my family. And I love my husband's siblings, too. I'm very lucky um, in both departments. And they also yeah. make me feel like part of the family. I mean, well, my husband's a nice. I feel bad now if we have people who are listening to us who don't get along with their siblings. No, it's okay. They, they, it's, I mean, that's life. They're just difficult relationships. Or We have people who don't have siblings. I feel bad for them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It's, I mean, you don't have to be best friends with everyone, but it's just good to know that you're, you know, you're, you're in this together. Kind of like my, you know, my thing that I was saying with my, my friend, my best friend who we were kind of like going through a bit of a rough patch, but at the end, but like when push comes to shove, you know, this person's there for you. And I have a friend like that now who we've, we, we broke up. We were so close. We were we're, we met in the army. We were just like inseparable. And she and I had a big falling out a few years ago. Um, and I know that if I needed her right now or if she needed me, 
like we would be there for each other. Right. It's just like, I don't know. It's It's the way it is. Understanding the people in your lives, like knowing who's, who has your back, who's going to be there for you is just the greatest gift. I mean, there are people who have no one. I just think about that for a second. Like there are people that don't have anyone. I just, Um, that hurts me, hurts my soul. Yeah, I was thinking of that too with the, you know, with the whole thing. Um, It just like, I want, one of the things I want to take from this is just try to, this sounds like so, does this turn into a fucking like Gwyneth Paltrow podcast? (laughs) I I, I want to be there for people. I hate us right now. I hate, I hate this podcast. You should go listen to something else. Uh, No, but, um, but just, you know, how, how like things are um, kind of like an idea until they're not right. So the idea of like being there to support a friend or, or even like taking the time to like, go over to somebody or like buy them something that, you know, they want, like th- thinking about them. Like these are all, um, yeah. just things that were conceptual. Um, but then when right. you see, like when I saw how my friends treated me and even when, when I say treated me, I mean, even just leaving me a voice note on WhatsApp after we talked, asking me how I'm doing, yeah. you know, I like, you realize the meaning of that stuff. But that's kind of why, like, it's important to be part of a community, first of all. Oh, now she goes Second again all, with the whole, yes, like, everybody yes. should be Orthodox. Okay. No, I'm not saying you need to be Orthodox. You need to be part of a community. And you need, and this is why the rules of being in a community or in a tribe or whatever are so mm. important. Because it's for it, situations like you were in, right? Where it's like, mm. it's not awkward because it's a mitzvah to visit the sick or to help the sick. It's not awkward. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think a hundred times about it. Oh, I just remember another thing. You don't know how thing. to do it. I just what? remembered another thing you told me after. What? Do you remember what you told me after I told you that I, I don't have cancer? No. You don't remember? No. <laughs> you said, you said, Baruch Hashem, blah, blah, blah. I, you texted this to me. I knew you didn't have cancer because bad things only happen to holy people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, holy and good people. I'm like, God's holy not giving people. you cancer. Don't worry. <laughs> Only really special souls get it, honestly, yeah, and get screwed. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't. You have to be somebody who everybody at the end are like, "I can't believe he's gone." I know, not like you. And we'll be like, "Oh, makes like, sense." Who? Oh, that she had that podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it'd be uh, like we knew her, and her soul was pretty black. So yeah, it, it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> God forbid, yeah. Oh, you're such a special person. What would I do without you? What would I do without you? Yeah, You've I, changed I don't know. I my always, life. I always feel bad for. I mean, I hate I hate saying I feel bad for people because it sounds very condescending. But I know, like, that having a community is something that I didn't always have. So I know right. not everybody has it, and some people search for it. And um, so, if you don't have one, it's okay. Like you'll, but but like we found one. We found our community on Zoom. Yeah. You know, Hyla and right. I. And and when I say our community, I mean like you know, the, the fifth column universe, let's say people who listen to a certain podcast and, you know, we send each other articles and we joke about politics, you know, we found each other through a podcast on zoom. Um, and you know, everybody go, go out why there. Are you, and, why are you making us sound friends. so pathetic? <laughs> I, I, cause I want people who are pathetic too, to, want, to feel uh, included. I just, all I want people to understand is that it's, you have to make an effort to build a community around you. That's it. Everybody has it within them to do it. It's yeah. just people often are sitting and waiting for somebody else to grab them and pull them into community. But that doesn't always happen. Yeah. 
It happens sometimes if you're a specific religion or if you have a certain identity, that might happen in an easier way. But most people are sitting and waiting for someone to pull them into community. And all I want to say to them is, don't wait. You have to make it happen yourself, okay? Go and find, seek, Okay, look in different places. Look online. Look in your, you, your library. I thought you wanted I don't to know. tell people to like join the Sikhs. That's what I heard. Join, like, fine. Seek. Be a Sikh. Yeah, <laughs> Sikhs are dope. Be a Sikh. Exactly. They're super cool. I'm just saying like you have to make an effort. And even then, it's not always going to work the first time or the second time or the third time. Sometimes you're mm-hmm. going to have to look deeply at different places and different people. And you're going to be disappointed over and over again. Okay, you know how many times I thought I found a new best friend and it turned out that I have nothing in it common It turned out it was and- two people sitting on top of each other wearing a trench coat. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> that happened to me once. Oh my God. It was awkward. That was me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, um, but the other thing is, the other hot take I have about communities is you don't have to like everyone and you don't have to be close not. to everyone. Oh my we God, have a WhatsApp sure. group. I hate half of those people. I'm kidding. I say that because I know they all listen. I love all of them. <laughs> but... But in our in our in our general universe, I don't like yeah. everybody, and I don't feel clo- there are some people I don't know that well. I might really like right. them um, if I knew them better. Right. But it doesn't have to be like these are all your soulmates that you're holding hands and like talking about life with. It's just it's right. nice to have people in your general vicinity that you know, like hey, these people are going out, like. Uh, our friend, uh, our, our, our lovely friend Jay, who some people know, uh, we made plans to go uh, to dinner this week, and we were texting and saying let's let's go to dinner. And they said, "Let's invite so and so and so and so." And all of a sudden, you realize, like you know, you have like people around you. It's not just exactly you know you want exactly. So go go find that um, and make it happen. If it's not oh, around you, just I know make, it make a community around our podcast. Fine. Fine, come to meet and greet. Come to our meet and greet. Come to meet and greet. It's a built-in a community. Um, exactly. And that's it. We have. Um, do you want to? Do you want to get to the questions? Okay. Is there something else we needed to talk about? No, we should talk about these questions because yeah, it's getting late. Okay, it's getting late. You don't have any excuses anymore. You don't have to like <laughs> burn your kitchen down. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like bored of my own voice, so okay. we gotta ra- You know, um, you know me. My ADHD is that. Uh, okay, so uh, I have one question. This brings us back to Passover. Oh um, God! And it's in Hebrew. So thanks, <laughs> Hebrew speaking people. It makes my job a lot harder. I need to translate it. Um, so let me uh, let me do a rough translation here. Okay. Go. Um, basically, uh, this listener from Israel is uh, saying um, that she and her husband were just. Um, um, making, uh, eating a, a roll for Passover, you know, those uh, Passover rolls uh, right. that they make. And she said, uh, obviously, this is a question for Chaylea. She said, the whole point of Passover, as far as we understand it, is that you're not supposed to eat the dough that rises. So why can we eat a Passover, kosher Passover roll? Because the dough has risen. And then, and then the husband asks, <laughs> and why can't we drink beer? Because that's wheat, but it hasn't risen. So what's the game here exactly? Okay. So the the prohibition on Passover is to eat chametz, okay? Mm-hmm. Which is anything, any product, food product made from wheat, barley, rye, oats, or spelt, okay? And if it came into contact with any water or fermented or risen, it is forbidden. So those rolls, those Passover rolls that they're eating... Mm-hmm. are made probably from potato starch 
or some other mm-hmm. kind of like almond flour or whatever. And there's no prohibition against that. Yeah, so but, the, but they've risen. Is, Isn't the prohibition no, against things that have no, risen? No, okay. absolutely not. The prohibition is against wheat, barley, oats, spelled, and rye. So that's why beer is forbidden because obviously but, beer is... But when, when, when the people of Israel left Egypt... Yeah, the people of Egypt left Israel when when the Jews yeah. left when the Egypt. Israelites left Egypt. Yeah, yeah. I thought they, the whole point was not eating this stuff because they didn't have time. So why can't we eat right? Bar- so like, what does barley represent- have to do with not having time? No, because they. You know I mean? So the idea is that matzah didn't rise. We eat matzah because didn't rise. Right? They mm-hmm. ran out quickly. So their bread, which they were making bread, didn't rise. Mm-hmm. So it stayed, un- you know whatever, unleavened, unleavened, exactly. Uh, (laughs) um, And so the prohibition is against eating anything um, that rises, but only like wheat and other, it just applies to wheat. I think you guys, I think you guys need to rethink some of this stuff. (laughs) It's not that complicated. I'm just saying, talk to your, your people and get back to us next year. Yeah. Um, We've been doing this for 3,000 years. I don't think much is going to (laughs) change. <laughs> okay. Um, but beer, unfortunately, is uh, forbidden because yeah. beer is made from um, what's it called? Uh, from wheat. From wheat. Barley. Is it? Yeah. It's, I don't know. What's rye? Rye is another, I guess it's just I another think rye grain. is like a type of grain. Yeah. Yeah. You can't anyway. drink bourbon either then. Yeah. We don't eat oatmeal. You can drink and, potato vodka. Yeah. Potatoes are, we ate a lot of potatoes. I didn't because mm-hmm. I'm not eating potatoes now, but I love um, potatoes. Do you? Potato yeah. is like the most incredible food. I mean, the it amount is. of different things that it, that come out of potatoes and they're all What's delicious. What's your favorite way to eat potatoes? Probably french fries. Mm, I didn't even think of that. I went straight yeah. to mashed. I do love mashed potatoes too, but like a yeah. salty french fry. Ugh, oh, so good with ketchup. Ugh. Yeah. And like uh, Parmesan cheese on top. Ketchup and mayo or just ketchup? Yeah. In kosher pizza shops. They mm. serve French fries. We eat like we grew up eating pizza and French fries. That's like a normal. Really, carb but, on like, carb. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Americans don't do that. Like I, yeah, it was people shocking put, to me. In Israel, people put French fries in their falafel, which oh, always yeah. seemed a little redundant so to me. Oh my god, that's um, so good. But that, but it's also like the falafel French fries in Israel, like super soggy. So you have to like that. That's like a type. Yeah, a type oh, of those French are fry. So good, actually, I'm so hungry right now. I'm sorry. I um. <laughs> I made. I was telling Kylie I made myself an iced coffee to drink before we started here, and I put um, my. I made it with like my ninja, and I left my spoon in it. So I'm basically drinking like iced coffee with pieces of like toxic oh metal God. in it now. That's great. I'm surprised um, your ninja didn't break. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure the things have like something chipped off the thing. Oh, so I might die now of the. Like, remember that episode in Oz where he put glass in somebody's food for, like, weeks and then the person died from, like, all the holes in his stomach? Oh, my God. No, I never Um, watched that show. That might happen to me. But Um, I remember when I was in elementary school, um, mm -hmm. some girls put staples in one of our rabbi's coffee (gasps) as a prank. And he was going to drink it and another girl screamed out and said, don't drink it. And I remember... Everyone involved. Like I remember who put the staples in. I remember wow. the girl who said, don't drink it. I remember where, his reaction. Okay, but the girls who put it the was, staples in, are they like, yeah. where are they now? Are they like psychopaths? Like what? Yeah. 
That seems yeah, a little extreme. They're, they're weird. But like, could you imagine? I mean, it was, we like would do pranks. Like I remember they no, put but that's Silly like Putty a d- yeah. on the rabbi's chair and then he would walk around with like Silly Putty on his, you know, behind. Yeah. Like who cares? That's funny. But like that's a that was dangerous. I mean, he could have really hurt himself. Yeah. And I haven't thought of that story in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, deep anyway, cut from 1980, uh, let's let's move on to our next question. Okay, what's another question? Um, okay, so this is from our listener Sophie, who emailed us. By the way, if you want to email us too, you can ask a jewpod at gmail.com um, and email us your questions. There are no offensive questions, um, no, which is why never. I'm going to ask this one. So um, Sophie is asking a question about the Rebbe. Chayalea. The Rebbe. This Rebbe yeah. is a very weird thing to those of us outside <laughs> your community. Uh, Sophie, I agree. It almost makes it sound like a cult. And growing up as a conservative Jew, this is sort of how it was presented to us. And she says, I hope that doesn't sound rude. I'd love to hear you explain more about who he is and his place in your community and your understanding of Judaism. So that is question number one from Sophie. So do you want to answer okay. that first before we move on to question number two? Sure. Um, okay. So the Rebbe. Um, so, I mean, I've kind of talked about this a bunch of times on the podcast, but I'm happy to kind of go over it again. Um, I am part of a <laughs> Are you saying that Sophie wasn't listening? No, 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 no. Maybe I wasn't clear and I, I should talk about it more. But um, and Honestly, I'm happy, I don't even and remember. I'm, and I'm very happy to talk about it. It's uh, very near and dear to my heart. So I am part of a Hasidic sect and it's called Chabad. Um, and every Hasidic sect, the Hasidic world is divided into like all, like, I don't know, hundreds of little sects, some bigger, some smaller. And each one has a Rebbe, which is kind of the spiritual leader um, or guide of the community. Um, and generally it stays within the family and it passes on from, you know, father to son or son-in-law or grandson or nephew, etc. So in Chabad, um, it was the Schneerson family and we had you know, there were seven Rebbe's in a row. And the last Rebbe is probably the most recognizable face that like a Jew would know, even if you don't know who he is, but his image is like plastered all over New York City. It's and literally it's like, plastered all over New York. If you go plastered. to New York, can you please yeah. tell him to stop doing that? I think that's, <laughs> that gives us a bad name. Like you walk in like Hell's Kitchen it is a and bit, there's it's like a, a Messiah strange. sticker with his face yeah. on. So that so that Rebbe, his name was Rabbi Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, and he was the last Rebbe of the Chabad movement. He passed away in 1994, um, and we don't have another Rebbe since him. Now, the concept of a Rebbe is it's not a cult, okay? It's not like we pray to him. He's not a god. He's not a deity in any way. He is simply a our spiritual guide, but like a person who we really believe is holy and close to God and sort of like an intermediary in a way, like I would ask the Rebbe to pray on my behalf, for example, right? And say like, Mm. you are such a holy special person. I believe that your soul, I believe the Rebbe's soul was like a special soul. And so I wouldn't believe he like talks directly to God. I mean, I believe that like he has, because of the, 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 the spiritual like elevation mm-hmm. that he lives in, right? That he lived in, right? He was such an, a spiritually elevated person. There was no one else I knew that was like that, right? And mm-hmm. so you go to the person who's the most spiritually elevated. I mean, aside from being a, 
absolutely incredible Torah scholar and a, and a, 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 a like someone who cared about every single Jew, who cared about Judaism. Who I mean, there's just nothing that the Rebbe didn't care about, right? I mean, he what makes it was, what makes somebody spiritually elevated? Or maybe you just answered that. I mean, right just now. being fully immersed, being fully immersed in Torah, fully immersed in the mitzvot, um, caring about every single Jew, not wanting to leave anybody behind, um, thinking about the Jewish community in, in broad ways, right? Taking responsibility on his shoulders for things. You know, when people come to you and pour their hearts and souls out, like you're taking on a big responsibility that you can help them. And he did that, right? I mean, he 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 held people's tears, literally. Like I think about his hands, like open with everybody's tears that they poured into them, you know, and he gave people hope and he gave people just a sense that they were able to connect directly to God and to, and to seek God's help for whatever that they, you know, whatever they were looking for. And he doesn't have kids, right? The Rebbe did not have children, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's no Rebbe now. So we, we, I mean, we're basically living. Or are there people? No, there was no one. He he was. There's nobody. So his the previous the Rebbe before him was his father-in-law, and his Mm father-in-law had three children, three daughters. So he was married to one daughter, and they had no children. Another daughter and her husband were killed in the concentration camps and had no children. Mm. And then the third daughter had a son, who was not like not really part of the. Chabad community. And when did he come to America? In the early 40s during the war. Oh, okay. Yeah, they came, they escaped Europe. I mean, they literally ran away from Europe. They came from, um, he came from Paris, but And yeah. was he the Rebbe then already? No, his father-in-law was. Oh, okay. Um, and then yeah. everybody and followed then his them father-in-law to Brooklyn? passed away in 1950 and then he took over as Rebbe in 1951. And so from 1951 till 1994, he was the Rebbe. So when you look at like Crown Heights Jews, they yeah. all, that whole community was built around Absolutely. the Rebbe in the 40s? Yeah. Well, but also the father-in-law, like the, the whole... Yeah, starting from his father-in-law and then yeah. growing and then, but really mostly from him. I mean, from the, the last Rebbe, yeah. Um, it really grew to unbelievable like proportions like in the last 25 years. I mean, even since he passed away, it's kind of exploded in ways that are incredible. I mean, there are Chabad communities all over the world. And part of what's different about Chabad versus all the other Hasidic communities is that the Rebbe believed very much in spreading Judaism all over the world. So he mm-hmm. sent his shlichim right? And, and you know, the, the husbands and yeah. wives, couples and families to everywhere around the world. I mean, there's not a place that you go. That yeah. That's not why Chabad. if you go to like, you know, yeah, whatever, like, yeah, Cusco or, yeah, exactly. Find a Nepal Chabad or island, Africa, yeah. anywhere in Africa. I mean, everywhere. So the Rebbe was like, every single Jew needs to find a place that they can go in order to do Jewish things and be around other Jews. And so he took responsibility for that, right? And he That's sent nice. out people like my parents. He sent them to Long Beach. Yeah. Um, why do we live here, right? Like my parents, my mother's <laughs> from Brooklyn. My father's from Montreal. They should live on the East Coast with like all the other chassids. But it's instead- like the, Is it like in the Book of here. Mormon when they get their assignments? <laughs> and kind for their, uh, Yeah. <laughs> It's kind a, of, but like we don't book of proselytize about like Chabad, but we don't proselytize to other people, like only to Jews. Yeah. We want Jews to be Jewish. We're not looking for non-Jews to become. But Jewish. it would be a good musical if they send the Chabad somewhere where there's like a lot of Jews, but none of them are Jewish. You know what I mean? Like 
I'm trying to think yeah. of like a community. Like, let's say they send you like some hipster, like Silver Lake, yeah, or something. I mean, it happens. Where like, good luck, right? Um, I think it would be funny. Like, I would <laughs> like happens. to watch that musical with like the da- thing, tap dancing and the thing that I just want to address about the question is that I I really do understand that it's strange for people who didn't grow up in the Hasidic world, but like, if you imagine any other community that reveres a personality, right? Whether it's you know. Lady I mean, Gaga. think about, pe- yeah, think about people in Hollywood or sports or mm-hmm. whatever. And like, those people are not even good people necessarily, right? Like we, we love them because they're good at something. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. telling you that the Rebbe cared about humanity in a way that is so rare and so special. And I feel like privileged to be part of his community. It's not that we are, it's not a cult in any way. It's a, it's a, choice that all of us make that we want to be living in within his teachings right and within his light i want to say like i want to be the kind of person that he was that every well, never judging anybody always kind and always a good word and always thinking positive and thinking about how to make judaism more relevant and more accessible and more i mean that's the kind of person that i want to be so i want to surround myself with people who appreciate that you know let me ask you a question. If you had sure. a really important moral dilemma, yeah, and you got conflicting advice from the Rebbe and from Tom Brady, who would you go with? <laughs> wow, because I know those are your two spiritual advice. I mean, <laughs> a real—that's <laughs> a—that's such a moral dilemma. I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, even, depends on the topic, I guess. No, listen. Obviously, the the. I mean, whatever. I'm not going to answer the Rebbe I'm not unless even it was answer a, that. Unless it was a football question. Exactly. (laughs) Did the rabbi like uh, sports? I mean, he didn't waste time on things that were not important. And like, he just didn't. He didn't travel. He didn't do anything else. He literally spent every minute of his life helping people and listening to people's issues, writing letters back to people, giving them encouragement, answering questions. Like, that's all he did. Did he have friends? No. It wasn't, he wasn't that kind of person. I mean, he had a flock. Yeah. You know what I mean? He had a flock and he, and all of us turned to him and like relied on him to, you know, get us through. I mean, yeah. if you think about the context like of the, the Dalai Jewish Lama, except without of. the tongue kissing of, Ew, of God, little that kids. That was so weird. I know. That was so no, the weird. The Rebbe was and so, and so not like that. Yeah. The Rebbe too was bad, very The Dalai Lama was so, he was on, he had such a good, like, he was on such a good role the last few years. I feel like. You know, I don't know. he was doing kind of well connected to the CCP, himself. you know, or they hate him. Yeah. They hate the CCP. But he was, you know, I don't, I don't know. know. The Rebbe was so, very, very focused, very mission driven, wanted all of us. I mean, look, he took an entire community of people and made them leaders. That's the most incredible thing. He mm-hmm. didn't want followers. He wanted leaders. He said, don't just sit here, go do, right? If you know something, go teach it. If you can do something, go out and make people's lives better. Go change the world yourself. I mean, that is well, a leader that... Yeah, pressure, but in a good way. We all need that. We all need that. Uh, Everyone sits on their behinds and and waits for things to happen. The Rebbe said, get up and go do things yourself. And I I admire that. I don't do... Listen, I wish I could... I I want to be someone that he's proud of. I think sometimes I am, but then I also think sometimes I'm not. Um, And I just... I yeah, know, I mean, you can't be, you know, that's true of everything. Like, you can't be full-time perfect with everything, right? Right. Some people. Uh, I'm sure Tom Brady would be proud of you no matter what you do. Really? (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Oh well, God. maybe Sean we'll Brady. get to Sophie's next question next week. Okay. Um, because we've been uh, as uh, in in the words of the immortal Camille, we've been we've been going for a while now. Yeah. Um, exactly. But um, we do have us some- a favor. Wait, I want to just ask everyone: do us a favor. If you listen, we appreciate it. Leave us a comment. We never really beg, and I hate asking because I hate. Oh, on um, leave us Apple iTunes rating, yeah, on Apple or Spotify. Just write a few words. Um, It is a secret to grow our podcast. Yeah, and honestly, it was um, you know, it's it's all I need to heal. Uh, is for you to like uh, our podcast, subscribe, so leave us a comment, uh, also, and, we'll, and send us an email. We love we love hearing from people like um, yes. like Sophie. Uh, no question is rude or or offensive. Exactly. Um, I don't think we, you weren't offended by that, no, right? Of course not. Of course yeah. not. I love talking um, about it. If also, anything, we we offend our listeners. We were not yeah, the other way true. around. We were um, guests on two podcasts in the last few weeks, so if people oh, want to check yeah. those out. Also, we were on the Megan Daum Unspeakable podcast, mm-hmm. um, so you can listen to that. And we were also on a really cute friendship podcast that I loved doing with you. That yeah. was such a fun conversation. Um, we'll link it in our Substack this yeah, week. Yeah, I was at a dinner party last week, and um, I was... Uh, uh, talking to somebody and I mentioned I had a podcast and then they, and I said what it's about and they were like, Oh, were you just on Megan down? And I was like, yes, I was. <sighs> uh, so so I felt very, very special. Yes. Um, what's the, what, what was the name of the podcast? Um, I'm trying to think the one the that we were on with her. I forgot. I don't know if there was a special, um, uh, well, anyway. we'll put it, we'll, we'll put it all on our Substack, askaju.substack.com. Yeah. Um, connect with us there. Uh, it's just a, it's really just a, an email list kind of. So if you sign up, don't worry, you're not going to get a lot of emails from us and we don't right. like send emails begging for money. It's mostly exactly. pictures of Hylak cooking a tomato or whatever. <laughs> Maybe um, I'll share some recipes this week. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see you here in, in May. Yes. Please. Right? God. Yes. Thanks, shame. I'm glad you're going to live. For now. For now. For now. And if I don't, uh, my only uh, wish is that you continue this podcast to infinity. Great. So if I die, you can stop doing it. It's fine. <laughs> no, if you die, I'm going to take Goldie, your sister. Okay, fine. Yeah, she's she's second, second to the throne. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Bye.